Hey, imagine, imagine with me for a moment, if you had been there the day that Jesus was crucified. Imagine with me for a moment what the crowd must have been thinking when they were looking on Jesus as he was hanging on the cross. Imagine what the soldiers were thinking, the very ones that nailed him to the cross. Imagine what the disciples that had been walking with Jesus for so long, imagine what they might have been thinking. It would be very interesting for us just to imagine for a moment that we were there looking unto the Savior that was hung on the cross through the eyes of the disciples. We have a short video to kind of help us encapsulate that thought. It was a different kind of Passover, to say the least. Uh, I remember right when we sat down, Philip leaned over to me and he whispers, Hey, Thomas, I feel like something special is going to happen tonight. (laughs) I looked at him. I said, I doubt it. I was wrong. (laughs) Jesus got up from the table. He he walked over and grabbed a basin of water and a towel. I remember at the time thinking to myself, What's Jesus doing with the foot water? You know, I doubt he's going to wash somebody's feet. (laughs) I was wrong. He knelt down and began to wash Bartholomew's feet. Bart just sat there. He, uh, He didn't say anything. He didn't move. None of us did. Jesus finished and went on to James and Andrew and the rest of us. I remember at the time thinking, this is so strange yet wonderful. And then I thought, I doubt anybody's going to say anything right now. I was wrong. You know who broke the silence? Peter. No way you're going to wash our feet. I mean, that's what I told him. He could wash other people's feet, but he wasn't going to wash mine. I looked at him and I said, Jesus, you're not going to wash our feet. I mean, you're the king. And he looked at me and he said, well, then you can have nothing to do with me. And I'm like, ouch. Okay, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my whole body if you have to. He looked at me and said, no, your feet will be fine, Peter. In the midst of him washing our feet, he teaches us servanthood. Then Jesus took some bread and some wine. He blessed it and he served it to us. He said it was uh, a new covenant with his blood. And he said, "Um, tonight all of you will lose faith in me. I remember thinking right then, lose faith in you? Never. But I didn't say anything. I just sat there. I couldn't just sit there. I had to say something. So I looked at him and I said, Jesus, I love you. You can count on me. Everybody else may fall away, but I will not. You can count on me. He looked at me and he smiled. He said, Peter, you'll deny me three times for tomorrow morning. Ouch. The next thing I knew, we were wrapping things up and we were headed to the garden to pray. Once we got to the garden... Just got crazy. Um, Jesus asked Peter, James, and myself to go further in the garden with him and pray, and we did. We tried. We kept falling asleep. Um, Jesus kept waking us up. I remember one time he said, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's true. It's all a blur. Uh, <laughs> And I think this whole mess got started because of Judas. 
Did he really think what he was doing was right? There. There he is. He's the one you want. The one praying by himself. Now the others, they will come up and try to create some scene. But the one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. Now 30 pieces of silver, right? That's what we agreed upon. 30 pieces. Forget about the rest. The one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. A kiss? Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss of a friend? Uh... And then it got crazy. Uh, Peter, <laughs> Peter grabs a sword and he he cuts off this guy's ear. And Jesus, Jesus reached down and picked it up and put it right back on the guy's head, as if nothing had happened. And then, um, and then they took him. I'd love to tell you that we fought for him, but we didn't. Everyone ran. I ran. I'm so ashamed. What have I done? What have I done? Was I so stupid to think that I've killed him? I've killed him. I've crucified Jesus. I crucified Jesus. It's what the crowd wanted and that's what they got. And personally, I don't feel like that man did anything to deserve that, but I was just a soldier doing my job. When the governor gave his sentence, that's when I would go to work. I loved that job. I felt like I was administering justice every time I nailed someone to a tree. But that man, that man didn't deserve that. Didn't make sense to me. It makes no sense. There I was, rotting in a jail cell, for stealing, murdering. You name it, I've done it. And I knew the next time I stepped foot outside that jail cell, well, and that was it. So the guards, they came and got me, and they put me beside this guy that was beaten to a pulp. Then Governor Pilate started asking the crowd, which one of these men do you want me to set free? I mean, it was obvious. I mean, the crowd, they're going to say, let Jesus go. And then I was going to tell them where they could go. And then the crowd, they started chanting Barabbas. I mean, mean, they were saying my name. They were saying my name over and over and over again. The guards, they threw me to the crowd and 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 they took Jesus to Golgotha. I mean, one minute, I, I am a man marked for death. And then the next, I'm, I'm free. It made no sense. So I followed him all the way to Golgotha. I was stationed at Golgotha that day. we just raised the second criminal when they brought him to me. I'll never forget the way he looked. 
He'd been beaten, spit on, whipped. He was unrecognizable as a man. Hideous. What was left of his clothes were stripped off of him and he was thrown down on the cross. That's when I went to work. Generally, when you crucify a man, the first hand is the most difficult. The criminal wants to get away. He fights you. So I would have two soldiers hold him down. But this guy, he didn't put up a fight. I just thought he was exhausted. As an executioner, I've been called every name in the book. I've had men yell at me, plead with me. But I wasn't prepared for that. He looked at us. He looked at me. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave me. Forgive them. He said, forgive them. Who is he? Forgive should have been me up there I was the one that was supposed to be hanging on that cross he took my place then I looked up and I remember he took a uh, deep agonizing breath and he said it is finished and then he died Surely, this man was the son of God.
Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It's the Super Bowl of Christianity. Amen. Every Easter Sunday, we're reminded we're on the right side, gang. Amen. Hey, today we're beginning a sermon series which we're going to devote to the last six hours in which Jesus hung on the cross. And our focus will be what is traditionally called his last words or his last statements. These words are important, if you can imagine. They're the very last things that Jesus said. And he said them while he was hanging on the cross. They have to be of utmost importance. And we're going to begin this morning in Luke chapter 23, which is the very first words that Jesus spoke whenever he hung on the cross. In Luke chapter 23, in verse 26, it says, As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him, put the cross on him, and they made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and he said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Verse 32, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to a place called the Skull, They nailed him to the cross. And the criminals who were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Have you ever wondered what was on the mind and the heart of Jesus when he hung on the cross that day? Here you have it. Here is what was utmost important to him. And he utters these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now really, these words that Jesus spoke from the cross were not simply words. They were actually a prayer. They were actually a prayer. The first word spoken from the cross, Father, forgive them, was a prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father. Did you ever realize that? The words were actually a prayer that Jesus was was offering to the Lord on behalf of those that were around. Do you ever wonder, who was Jesus asking to forgive? Who was he asking the Father to forgive? Well, I think we could all agree he was praying and asking God to forgive these soldiers who had tortured him, who had humiliated him, who had nailed him to the cross, who had scourged him. Obviously, he was praying and asking God to forgive them for what they had just done to him. But I think you could also agree that he was also praying for this crowd that was there. Because even though they weren't the ones actually nailing him to the cross, it wasn't like they were innocent. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew 27, 22, Then what shall I do with Jesus, your Messiah, Pilate said? And they, the crowd, shouted, Crucify him! 
Why, Pilate demanded, what has he done wrong? And the answer is, nothing. But what did they say? But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify, as Jesus is hanging on the cross and the crowd is shouting, crucify, crucify. Jesus looks back at them and he says, Father, forgive them. And then, obviously, I think we could agree that no doubt he was praying for the religious leaders who had ordered his crucifixion. He had to be praying for these leaders that conspired with the Roman government, religious leaders that conspired to have him crucified. Hey, can you just imagine with me a moment? Can you imagine the mercy, the mercy that must have been exuding from the heart of Jesus in the most difficult and painful day of his life? Whenever words were very difficult even to utter in the position that he was in, in the circumstance that he was in, and he utters these words, Father, forgive them. What mercy came from the heart of God? Can we realize that today? And finally, we need to remember that not only was Jesus praying for the soldiers and praying for the crowd and praying for the religious leaders, I think you would have to agree that Jesus was also praying for us. He was praying for us. Say, no, he wasn't praying for me. I wasn't even there. Well, yes, you were. You were there. There's an old gospel hymn that asks, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Have you ever heard of it? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? This is how the words go. Were you there When they crucified my Lord, were you there when they nailed him to the cross? Were you there when they pierced him in the side? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, sometimes it makes me tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? The reality is, spiritually speaking, we were all there. All of humanity was there. When Jesus uttered those words, Father, forgive them. He wasn't uttering them just for the people that were there. He was uttering them for you and I. All of humanity was included. Amen. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that says? You know what that means? He didn't wait for us to get good enough to go die for us. He died for us knowing that we would have a rebellious heart and life towards him. See, the death and the crucifixion of Jesus was an event that transcends time. And that affects you and I today. Amen. So when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. We could insert our name there. Father, forgive Todd, for he knows not what he's doing. Father, forgive John, for he knows not what he's doing. Forgive Mary, she doesn't know what she's doing. We could insert all of our names right there. That's why Jesus died. What was Jesus asking for the Father to forgive us for? Why was he asking for forgiveness? Well, you know, the reality is the message of forgiveness is the greatest need of humanity. I don't know if you heard me, but the message of forgiveness is the greatest need of humanity. Can I tell you something? One second. You know what's the greatest need of everyone in this room today? The greatest need in this room is the message of forgiveness. 
It's the greatest message of all. Why forgiveness? Well, because all of us struggle with the problem of sin. Isn't that right? We all struggle. We all have the same inerrant problem, and that's the problem of sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1, 8. We can't get away from it. Everyone struggles with lust, with greed, with gluttony, with anger, with pride, with idolatry, with hate, with jealousy, with unbelief. Isn't that right, saints of God? Yes, it is. Sin means to miss the mark. It means to stray from God's path. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, For all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. All of us are guilty. Yet the Lord laid on Him the sins of us all. They were all on Him. We need forgiveness. You know, there's an Old Testament picture of the, of the power and the penalty of sin. In Leviticus, it talks about to atone for sin, they would take two goats and bring them in the presence of the priest. And one they would sacrifice. They lay their hands on their head and sacrifice them. They would slaughter them. And the other, they would take them and they would, they would speak and they would de- declare the sins of the people over the goat. And they would put them into the wilderness as they would be straying and living their life just subject to the wild animals the rest of their life. And it was a picture of what God does for us in our sin. It reminds us of the weight of our sin problem. That it cost the precious blood of Jesus for our sin. Amen? And it, it reminds us there's been, there has been a scapegoat for our sin. That's where the term scapegoat came from. The scapegoat went away carrying as if it was carrying our sin away. Jesus was the scapegoat. He carried the sin on himself so you and I didn't have to be slaughtered. So you and I didn't have to sacrifice our blood. We need forgiveness because we all suffer from the consequences of sin. Romans 6.23 says when people sin... They earn what sin pays, death. Sin will control you, make you its slave. You know, the Bible says in Romans 6, 16, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Don't you know that there are more people enslaved and in prison outside of our prisons than they are in prison. People are enslaved to sin. They're controlled by it. They're manipulated by it. The Bible says that we become enslaved where it controls us, where we don't have control over it anymore. The Bible says that sin will cut you off from the presence and the promises of God. There are many church-going people today They're here. They're there. They're in church this Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. And they have never felt the presence of God in their entire life. And they're falling short of enjoying the provisions of God. Why? It's a sin problem. It's what it is. It's a sin problem. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, it's your sins that cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. We need forgiveness because sin will weigh you down with guilt and condemnation. You ever been there? 
The psalmist said in Psalm 38, 4, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I wonder how many people are living their lives exhausted, exhausted, wore out, depressed because of the sin problem. Worst of all, sin robs us of our place in heaven. The only thing that will keep you out of heaven is the problem of sin. It's the only thing. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's the good news. Amen? The greatest need of all humanity is the need for forgiveness. I don't know if you saw the program last night, Tanya and I. By the way, she's sick. I appreciate if you would pray for her. We were watching 48 hours. Anybody watch 48 hours last night? It was a picture of the power and the need for God's, the power of sin and the need for God's forgiveness. They did a story about a pastor's son who was working for Joyce Meyer Ministry, was married, had two boys. One day, the wife and the two kids are murdered. They're looking for the accomplice. They're looking for the person that murdered them. Finally coming to the conclusion and realizing that it was the it was the husband, it was the father that had murdered his own family. Grieved my heart. It just saddened my heart just to watch this. And he was trying to put the blame on somebody coming against Joyce Meyer's ministry. And I was saying that, how could he do that? These precious, innocent kids, how could he do such a thing? And as I'm thinking that, as I'm realizing that, I'm reminded that, Todd, you have the propensity and you have the ability to do exactly what this man has done and more. Can I remind you today that you have the propensity, you have the ability because of the sin problem to do what this man has done and more. Yes, it's true. But the good news, you ready for the good news? Is that enough bad news? The good news is the message of forgiveness will release you from the power of sin. That's the good news. Amen. That's what the resurrection is all about. Psalm 103 in verse 2 says, Yes, I will bless the Lord and, and not forget the glorious things He does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals me. He ransoms me from hell. He surrounds me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. What a picture of the power of forgiveness and the release of a life that has been forgiven. The message of the cross. The message of the cross is a message of forgiveness. When Jesus hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. We have to realize the gravity of that. That God, whenever, whenever Jesus spoke those words, God released forgiveness upon the earth. The, he forgives all my sin. Not only does he, he forgive my sin, He heals my heart of the sin problem. Can I tell you, He does the same for you. God's forgiveness releases me from the torment and guilt and condemnation of sin. You know, I remember I was in grade school and loved sports. Well, I was raised in a neighborhood that had children all over the place, big families. Whenever we played games, there was always plenty, plenty participants. One day I was playing baseball, loved baseball. And one of my neighborhood friends had just recently got a brand new baseball glove. 
And as we played baseball that day, I got a chance to use that glove. And after we had finished playing and everybody had left except me, I noticed that brand new glove laying there on the ground. And I picked up that glove, stole it, and brought it home. Nobody knew it except me. And of course, God. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know the power of guilt and condemnation. But you know, from that day forward, I could not look at that boy in the eyes. From that day forward, I had to live a life of, of, of deceit and deception. I played baseball, couldn't even use the glove, could use the glove very sparingly, but I lived racked with the condemnation and guilt of sin. And then I got saved. And I found out about the power of forgiveness. And asked the Lord to forgive me. And you know, you know what else the Lord led me to do? To call that man back who we're now we're adults. And I told him, I said, hey, Barry, remember the glove that you lost way back? He said, man, I can't remember that. I said, well, trust me, you lost a brand new glove and I got it. And I made restitution and paid him back for that glove. He wasn't a Christian and he thought, what has gotten into Todd? But I tell you one thing, my friend, there's nothing greater than being released from the condemnation and the guilt of sin. Amen. And I tell you, Jesus is here to release you from the condemnation and the guilt of sin. I remember years ago in the old auditorium, there was a man that was coming to church who had a brother that had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And he said, Todd, would you, if I brought him to church, would you pray for him? I said, yes, we most gladly pray for him. And he brought him to church. Service was already going on. And so we were in that old sanctuary. And so he called, he came and tapped me on the shoulder. He said, my brother's here. Would you pray for him? Service was going on. So can we wait for service? He said, I don't know if he'll stay here. Can you pray for him now? I said, sure, I'll pray for him right now. We, we ducked into one of the classrooms there and we, we prayed. And his name was Ralph. I said, Ralph, I said, I'm going to pray for you and ask God to heal you of cancer. But before I do that, can I tell you your greatest need? Your greatest need is to be forgiven of your sin. You need to be forgiven. If you die, if you don't make it through this cancer, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And it would be better if you receive forgiveness from the Lord and that if you didn't make it, that you would get to spend eternity with Jesus. He said, I'm ready. Would you pray for me? And right there in that classroom, we prayed for him and asked him to pray a prayer and asking the Lord to forgive him of his sins. And this man wasn't a church-going guy. But while we're praying for him, as some people would say, as Alvin would say, he passed out in the Spirit. He, he went out in the Spirit. And so we finished praying for him, and then we got him up. And when we got him up, he started looking around. And he said, where, what, where, where, what did I drop? And we said, we don't see anything, Ralph. What do you mean? Something, something is, I dropped something. We said, what do you mean? We don't see anything on the ground. He said, oh my Oh my, I've gotten this tremendous burden off of me. This weight, I feel light. I'm as light as I've ever been in my life. Oh, I feel so good. And I realize, oh my Lord, Ralph just got free from the burden of sin. 
Yes, he did. You know, from that day forward, Ralph just lived a few months longer. But Ralph, everybody that came in his path, he called me up one day before he died. He said, Todd, you need to come over here at my house. I said, okay, Ralph, I'll come over there and pray for you. He said, I don't need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for my brother. I said, really? He said, yeah, he needs prayer. So I went over there. and There was his brother. And he said, his brother's name was Chris. He said, would you pray for Chris? And Chris was a hard man. And Ralph said, I'm, I'm concerned about his eternity. I know where I'm going. And I know where I'm going to spend my eternity. But I want my brother to be there. And as we began to minister to Chris, Chris began to tell us his story. Chris said, you see, a number of years ago, I was taken advantage of by another man. And I have not been able to get that out of my heart and my life. And he got set free. They didn't even persecute him or prosecute him. And I cannot get past that. And he was strapped with bitterness. You know, I'd love to tell you that Chris prayed the prayer and got set free that day. But he walked out of that house today still with the problem of sin. Jesus died on the cross to set us free from the power of sin. God's forgiveness releases us from the burden and the weight of sin. The Bible says in Psalm 32, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent about, whenever I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night. Your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped in the heat of summer. See, outside of the ability to see with the natural eye in this room, it's the problem of sin. Problem of sin will rob you of God's presence, rob you of God's provision. The problem of sin will cut you off from God and cause you to leave, live under guilt and condemnation and burden that you cannot do anything about except that you come to the cross and you receive the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a question for you today. Have you experienced the blessing of forgiveness? worship team is going to come and sing a song that's going to remind us that when Jesus died that day, He died to set us free. The greatest, the greatest blessing that anyone could ever receive in their life is to be set free from sin.
this Easter Sunday. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never dealt with that sin problem. There's a high price to pay for that. But the good news is that Jesus died to take care of our problem. That's why on the cross, the very first words he uttered is, Father, forgive them. He set in motion He set in motion the provision for us to be healed, for us to be delivered, for us to be set free. Amen? Would you just bow with me this this morning before we go? And I want to just give you a chance. If you've never prayed that prayer, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ today, is an opportunity to do so. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. How many of you today say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Would you pray for me? If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand wherever you are. And I want to pray that prayer for you. I want to pray that prayer with you. Like Ralph, you can be set free from the weight of sin. Now maybe... Yes, I see your hand. Anybody else? Just raise your hand so I can see it. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. The Lord is here to forgive. The Lord is here to redeem. I see your hand. Those of you that are raising your hands, I'm going to lead you in prayer in just a moment. But listen, you know the other thing about the message of forgiveness is that Jesus modeled forgiveness. Maybe like Ralph's brother, you've been done wrong. You've been hurt. You've been mistreated. Jesus forgave his offenders. The Bible says that, that blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. 
There's something about when you, when you release mercy towards others, you receive mercy from others. And maybe you're here today and, and that seed of offense is in your heart and it'll just get seeded and planted there and it'll cause bitterness to root down in your heart. But Jesus came to set you free and deliver you from that. And all you have to do is ask His forgiveness. Would you just pray this prayer from your heart and Jesus will hear your prayer and you can receive the forgiveness that comes from the cross of Jesus Christ this morning. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for giving me new life through the cross. Lord Jesus, we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to cleanse our heart. Lord Jesus, heal us of our sin problem. Deliver us from the enslavement of sin. We want to be liberated. We want to be set free. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us and setting us free today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen. 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 I'm going to be glad to be set free. I'm going to be glad to be delivered. Thank you, Father, for the power of the cross. Amen. 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 When Jesus said it is finished, everything that we need has been provided for us. Amen. Now, Father, I pray a release of the blessing and the favor of God over every family, every heart, and every life that is here today. In the mighty and precious and strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Well, happy Resurrection Sunday to you. God bless you. Have a great day. And be blessed as you go. You're dismissed.